Kane is in the building. <laughs> Guys, you know how much we love Liberty shirts. Their flannels are unbelievable, and when we were job hunting, we wore Liberty shirts for our interviews and now to work every day. We thought Liberty was our secret until we started seeing their shirts on TV on Fox Sports every Saturday and Sunday. Now we know they are for real, but they are still our secret. Save 10% on your order when you enter the promo code 3PET at checkout. Hello, welcome back to another season of 3P Podcast episodes. Can't believe this is season five already. Halfway to 10, boys. Episode one of the new season. Always great to see you, boys. I hope you all had a great holiday. We're back talking some sports. Once again, I'm your host, Josh Fromwitz, and join with me are my other co-hosts. Alex Castle. Stephen Bonazzo. And I don't know if you guys were able to tell, but I'm just looking at these boys with a huge smile on their face. Specifically, Steve, months and months and months and months of pain and suffering caused by his coaching staff of the Chicago Bears. No more. And I'm talking about the Black Monday that occurred in the NFL, a bunch of coaching changes, some general manager changes. We're about to dive into it. First, we want to start with the New York football giants, Castle, Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman, your prayers. TJ's prayers, LPG's prayers, everyone's prayers have been answered. My brother's prayers. Your brother's no. prayers. Yes, yeah. he, was a, he was a guest on the show. So Joe Judge fired after two years, finished 10 and 23 with the New York football giants. And obviously this came to no surprise to many, but this comes a week or two after the giants said that they were planning on keeping Joe Judge and Daniel Jones. But this definitely was for the best. So I'm going to let the Giant fan take over and it's your time to shine. Thank you, Josh. Great to be back, boys. Uh, very excited for this upcoming season. You know, it's, uh, there's, it's a long road ahead for the Giants. It really is. But this is a step in the right direction. I really don't understand why Gettleman wasn't fired sooner. You know, John Mara had a press conference earlier in the week, and he said that he just didn't feel it was necessary to fire him until now or allow him to retire, however you want to call it. I don't know what he was waiting for, but I mean, guy was a terrible GM. Very few good picks. We're currently not even 250 grand in cap space. We're less than that, which is a disaster. We're going to be paying Shermer, Judge, and whatever new coach we get going into next season. It's not looking good, but it's a step in the right direction. And in terms of firing Joe Judge, don't know why it wasn't done on Monday with all the other coaches, why they had to wait, why Mara had to have multiple meetings, but Judge just wasn't that guy. I mean, 2020, he did show some improvement. There was hope, but there was nothing to buy in, you know? The guy would go to the podium and he would have these very general comments about the game. Oh, I liked what I saw from our offense today. Offense three points. Oh, we had good ball placement. Punter punted five times in the game. So the guy just had nothing good, no good substance at the podium. Apparently he was rude to his coaching staff. He lost a lot of players in the locker room. It just wasn't a good Situation. And like you pointed out, finished 10 and 23. He, I mean, we all know what happened season finale against Washington third and nine. He's doing a QB sneak with Jake Fromm. I don't even need to get into that, but I, I do in a way I do feel for the guy. I do because he did only have two seasons and I know that, you know, this was a big opportunity, but you can't expect to be in a big market like New York and put up those type of numbers. It's just unacceptable. So him being gone, very happy with it. It needed to happen. I think the fans spoke very loud and the Maris finally listened. 
And now it's just a matter of hiring the right GM who can hopefully hire the right coach. We're not going after Kevin Abrams, which is huge. He's going to remain the assistant GM. I think he should have been fired too, frankly, being part of the Gettleman disaster. But we got some great candidates lined up. And, you know, I'm not really getting my hopes up too high yet because it's the Giants. We've become the the laughing stock, so anything can happen. But I'm just trying to be optimistic. And I think it really does start with the right GM. And Maris' press conference wasn't too, too hopeful. But the candidates are, are, are making me feel good about how we're going to move forward. It's funny because the Bears situation and the Giants situation is very similar because of, you know, now we're both looking for a head coach and GM. Really, both our head coaches should have been fired mid, mid to late season. Um, your GM was definitely a lot worse than mine. I could have tolerated pace for a little longer, but not too much. And really it's just the owners. And before I really get into the bears, I do want to talk about some giants, um, you know, with everything going on with them, because I'm just surrounded by giants fans, you know, I'm close to New York. So, you know, it's popular. Um, and you know, with the whole like waiting to fire Joe judge thing and like kind of, and I, I want to kind of get your, um, opinion on this when it, when the report came out from Josina Anderson that he was staying and we know the reaction it got was not a good one, especially with Giants fans. Do you think the, you know, Mara, or even if Mara didn't use it, they, but someone used it to tell, you know, to see, hmm, yeah, we didn't, that wasn't a good reaction. We, we got them to go. Or like, say if some people were like, you know what, maybe not like Gettleman's gone and all that. We'll get our, you know, some guys that are injured back. We'll, we have, you know, a few draft picks. Maybe he won't be that bad. So do you think it was, uh, almost like a smoke screen to see how the fans and everyone reacted or do you think um or do you think it was just a false rumor regardless that's a very good question i think in a way it probably was a little bit to gauge the fans to see where they felt with joe judge but even if that was the case if you're the owner why should you have to go to the fans after how he performed as a head coach. I think what it really boiled down to was that I, it doesn't look good with all of these coaches leaving. And I think originally John Mara was fully prepared to bring back Joe judge for the third season with all of the factors that he had to deal with. And I think the, the response from the fans was so negative that he, he just couldn't do it. And I'm sure there was stuff behind the scenes that played into it, but I do think that press release about judge returning in a way was kind of to kind of to get a feel, because again, I'm sure it was very tough to let him go only after two seasons. When you look how many, look at how many coaches we've had. So, which kind of just shows you where Mara's heads at, which is a whole separate issue on how I feel about the Mara family owning. But to answer your question, I do think in a sense, it was kind of to get a feel for the fan base. Yeah. And if you're John Mara, like how, how are you? I mean, that last couple of weeks of the season, you were getting destroyed by teams. You got destroyed by Washington, who the Giants have had a lot of success against the past couple of years. You got destroyed against the Bears, which, you know, that's saying something. And it's Andy Dalton, not even Justin Fields. Yeah, that too. It's Andy Dalton um, led Bears. So, and then last, the last game of the season when MetLife is empty, fans have like garbage uh, bags, brown garbage bags over their, uh, or brown paper bags over their head. They're booing constantly. I mean, if you're John Mara and your grandfather pretty much was a founder of the Giants, your father, you know, he owned and led the Giants to a lot of success for a long time. And now here you are owning the Giants, how could you, even if he's, you know, I know he's not content with that, obviously, but like, how could you be willing to not make any change or not be urgent with a change and to almost, you know, yeah, we'll bring Judge back and then let Dave Gettleman just retire while Jerry Reese, who brought you two Super Bowls, you fired him like that. Pretty much Tom Coughlin kind of forced him to resign and didn't really renegotiate with him and you know, not that left on bad terms, but it wasn't a nice, 
happy send off like it was for Dave Gettleman, but Dave Gettleman, who was 19 and you would, you would probably know the record, but it was God awful. He gets a nice little ceremony and send off and thank you for all that you've done, even though he didn't do shit for them. Um, you know, I just, I thought that was, that wasn't, you know, just awful on John Mayer's part and go from us. Yeah. I just want to jump in. Basically everything you're saying, I, I agree with a hundred percent. And the worst part of it all, like you said, Castle, is if the Giant fans weren't so vocal, then Joe Judge would still be the head coach of the New York Giants. And I think that's an issue as is because there was nothing good that you could pinpoint from this season with the Giants. This season, I think, was a complete disaster. Frankly, a waste, if you ask me. Looks like. Yes, I know he's been battling injuries, but I hate to say it, but it looks like Saquon Barkley is regressing instead of progressing. Uh, Sterling Shepard can't stay on the field along with other receivers. You brought in Kenny Galladay to score a whopping zero touchdowns. It, it was painful to watch the Giants this year. And the fact that Joe Judge almost returned kind of scares me. So it's definitely a good thing that He's gone, but I, I don't know how optimistic, if I'm a Giant fan, I am about the new head coach because will the Maras and the new GM listen to the Giant, what Giant fans want or what they want? I just, I just want to add one thing about this because this just popped up on my phone. Apparently... Co-owner Steve Tisch was the one who pushed Mara to fire Judge. So to me, that shows me that Tisch has a better idea of how this organization needs to be run. And it's just very disappointing. I mean, I could go on and on about stuff that you can pull from the press conference. But to kind of recap on what Josh said, it was a wash of a season. There's no way to get around it. We're paying Kenny Galladay $72 million over four years to have no touchdowns, first time in his career. Unfortunately, Barkley's got to be traded. The list goes on and on. But I think, the, I think if Mara really wants to take this team to the next level, he needs to start adapting to what's going on in the game and needs to start building a team that way. It's very apparent that we haven't had – guys on both sides of the ball at full capacity that can stay healthy and keep up with the pace of this game. And, and that's what it boils down to. But I just wanted to bring that up because that that's just something very interesting to me because Mara has been the more vocal one between him and Tish. Well, that's like for the bears and now, and then uh, I'll take it away with my uh, little bears. I guess if you guys want to call that a rant, you know, it, it's going to be happy and then a little frustrated too. You know, George Metcaskey, the grandson of George Hallis, who was Papa Bear, the founder. He was a founder, owner, player, coach of the Bears. And so then his daughter, Virginia McCaskey, who's really the owner, you know, her son, George, is now like the chairman and the guy really making, calling all the shots. In his press conference, he, he legitimately said, you could, you know, quote him on this. I am not a football evaluator. I'm just a fan. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? One, you're, you're saying that the new head coach and GM are going to report to him. He's the one now making the hiring and we need to trust him. And he said, he doesn't even know pretty much no football. He just is a fan. And second, your grand, like football should be in your blood. Your grandfather was one of the like most important figures in all the NFL, like founded this team that you currently run. And even if football is not even in your blood, you've like been around this team and around football your entire life. How do you not know how it works? How do you not know what it takes to run a good team and what doesn't? And he's had a lot of years where they haven't been good. So how do you not learn from that? So that was a little frustrating. And then, you know, this was good news. He wanted to bring in outside help because he knows that he's not. All right, so at least he acknowledges that, you know, he may not be 
a football guru. Like he doesn't, you know, really maybe knows what it takes to really build a good franchise. All right. So he gets outside help. I like that. But let's bring in 80 year old Bill Polian, who, yes, has been a respected guy in the NFL. Who's, you know, he was a um, executive and GM for a lot of years in the NFL out of like success. I'm pretty sure he was the GM of the Bills when they went to the four straight Super Bowls. All right. One, he's 80 years old. And he last like had a job in the NFL like over 10 years ago, even more. I don't care how well respected or, you know, the game has changed. The players are different. It's a lot more, you know, it's a lot different now than it was back in the 80s and 90s. It's a totally, totally different game. You know, there's a, to, everything's just t- totally different. And, you know, he's got more of that old school mindset. You need a younger mindset. Doesn't have to be, you know, like someone that's, 25 years old, but we can't, why are you asking an 80 year old guy, you know, rec- you know, help with that. He, Bill Polian was a guy who thought Lamar Jackson was going to be a wide receiver in the NFL. Oh, how did that uh, take turn out? Not too good. He's an MVP quarterback, you know? So listen, Bill Polian probably still knows what it takes. So can I be that mad? No, it's probably him assisting a little bit. It's probably better than, um, <laughs> McCaskey just running it by himself completely. But, you know, it's just the owners, especially the ones that are family owned, like, yes, it's nice. But you think they're not just business investors that are just investing in the Giants or investing in the Bears. I mean, that's your family is the Giants, the Bears. I mean, you, you should, like, it should kill you inside when these team, when your team doesn't do well, you know, like John Maris should be like bent over, like, you know, like this is the recent, you know, they haven't, they suck since 2016. They've been one of the worst. They were probably the worst team this year. Forget Jacksonville and Detroit. I think especially the latter, you know, the later half of the year. Um, And then the bears, they really haven't seen, uh, any success, you know, 2018, and that was it, boom, one year, and then just downhill from there. And then before that, they sucked. And you haven't made a Super Bowl since 2007 or 2006. You lost that one. You haven't won one since I, I mean, how are you not willing to make a lot of change? So, you know, that's that. That's my little angry rant. So now, but no more Matt Nagy, so that's a good thing. No more Ryan Pace. And I was getting a little nervous that Ryan Pace was going to remain with the franchise, whether he was GM or promoted. But some of these outside people said, you got to do away with him. Um, because to be honest, he had a lot of years as GM and, you know, he, he built a decent roster. He made some, you know, solid moves. Um, you know, obviously the couple big ones, training for Khalil Mack, tr- drafting uh, Justin Fields, but he sure made a lot of bad ones. So, you know, and then he can't, he shouldn't be able to be able to pick like draft two QBs, sign a bunch of QBs. You know, he already uh, hired Matt Nagy. I think he was, you know, there to hire John Fox. So he shouldn't be able to pick three head coaches. Like he had his chances and it didn't work out. So move on. So I'm glad they did. Um, you know, they're starting to conduct a lot of interviews and all that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited because there's a lot of, from what I'm hearing is that Chicago is, and I'm not, you know, by saying this, I'm just, this is again, reports I'm hearing that Chicago is an attractive spot because you have some foundational pieces and mostly because of Justin Fields, you know, you already have the QB figured out. And a lot of people like Justin Fields. It's not like he's just a young quarterback because the giants have a young quarterback, but castle, not going to lie. Daniel Jones is not too appealing in my opinion, you know, um, I'm not taking the job because Daniel Jones. I might be taking the job because of Justin Fields. So, um, and then, you know, you have a Roquan Smith, who's one of the best inside linebackers in the game, who's young. You have Jalen Johnson, a promising young corner. Darnell Mooney, 1,000-yard receiver now. David Montgomery, he's been a 1,000-yard rusher. He's a beast. Um, so, you know, there's some core pieces around to build, and mostly because of Justin Fields. And, you know, Chicago's a big city, big market. Um, storied franchise. So there's a lot to like about this, but, but like you were saying, um, and, and my brother keeps saying that for the giants that you really can't get any worse than Dave Gettleman. So regardless of who the giants hire, they might be better off anyways. Um, you know, with the bears, 
again, Ryan Pace wasn't anything special, but he wasn't the complete worst guy. You know, he didn't completely dig us in a hole. I mean, you know, we didn't make the playoffs a couple years ago and we, you know, I really, Matt Nagy was the one really holding us down, um, the coaching staff, but you know, if you hire and some of the candidates I've seen, there's a lot of guys with a lot of experience on like a team, like the Colts that are run well team, like, um, I've seen like the saints, um, the Browns, I guess have a few couple, you know, even though the Browns haven't had a lot of success, like these guys have built this roster. Um, and it's just a player's not performing to their capability. But if you look at the rosters on paper, it's a hell of a roster. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good uh, candidates to be honest, the coaching candidates, I'm not in a lot of the guys, like I'm not high on Leslie for, and then not even for the bear speaking. This is just for any team, I'm not high on Leslie Frazier. I'm not high on Doug Peterson. I'm not high on, um, really, I'm not high on Brian Dable. I just, I get scared with these coordinators because, yeah, they might be offensive-minded and all that, but can they lead a team? And that's what, you know, Pat Shermer was like one of those good OCs, you know, because uh, he was from the Vikings, right, Castle? Yeah, you know? I believe he came from Minnesota, yeah. And Minnesota. I think he's... I'm pretty sure he's OC now for Denver. Denver, yeah. You know, so like a lot of these offense pointers, Matt Nagy, like a lot of these guys are hired, you know, to for their, you know, offense in mind or defense in mind, but then can they really lead a team? And that's where I get scared. So that's why personally, I want a Jim Harbaugh. I want a Sean Payton. I want, you know, Brian Flores, I I, I kind of like, um, you know, some of the things I've heard with him being a little tough to deal with um, and, and interact with yeah you don't like but at the end of the day it's a business it's a tough business so you needed someone tough in there so um so i i want more of a guy like that who's an all-around leader than just say a bright young offensive or defensive mind in my opinion so it it's gonna mean i've been um you know i i was waiting to hear the news of matt nagging ryan pace got that and now i'm just waiting on the news who they hire and um, and for the Giants and for everyone or across the league, because there's, there's a lot of head coaching jobs. Um, and there's some attractive ones, the Bears, the Dolphins. Um, what other ones are there? Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. That, Minnesota hasn't had a – and and GM too. So they got both uh, positions available. So that's going to be interesting to see the two NFC North teams, um, you know, which route they uh, decide to go. So. And from it's coming off, I'm, I've been talking a little too much. See, you mentioned Minnesota. Well, I mean, I mentioned Minnesota, but you were jumping at Minnesota. And yes, Zimmer wasn't the best coach, but he still had a good run with them. This year was their worst year, but they still finished above 500, I believe. It's like the first time, like they really haven't had bad seasons, but they dealt with a lot of bad injuries this year. So who knows? I'm sure we'll see a Zimmer get a, a job somewhere, whether it's the Bears, whether it's the Giants, elsewhere. Zimmer, I don't think is a bad coach. I think with, if you have the right team that's built around him, then he could do a good job. He's led Minnesota to the playoffs numerous times. He was the coach for the uh, Minneapolis Miracle. So I don't know. I... I think he's he could be good. Flora, as you mentioned, I think he still is a good coach. I was very surprised that Miami cut, uh, got rid of him this quick. He had a winning record. Basically owned Belichick in his three years with a four and two record. So those two guys that I just mentioned, I'm sure will be getting hired pretty quickly because it's not really a deep list of pos- of good uh head coaching candidates this year and mike zimmer is interesting um I, I to be honest i think he might he might pull like a dan quinn kind of thing where he goes back as a coordinator and i think he was what a defensive coordinator guy right or offense i think defense um so he might go to dc and especially if a, a defensive coordinator right now takes a head coaching job you know he might fill in one of the spots and if he like you know really uh shores up a defense and really makes him one of the better units in the league, then I think, you know, before he knows it, he'll get another head coaching opportunity. Um, 
And same thing with like Rick Spielman, their GM. You know, I'm sure he'll land a front office gig somewhere um, because he, you know, again, every coach, every front office person, they have their pros and they have the cons. Just some have a lot more pros or some have more cons or some, even if they have more pros, their cons just outweigh their pros because like a, like a Ryan Pace, you know, trading up all that draft capital for Mitch Trubisky, that really hurt him. And giving Mike Lennon all that money really hurt him. And hiring Matt Nagy really hurt him. You know, like, because think about it, if they had a Justin Fields at that time, which, you know, like a Deshaun Watson, say, say the Bears drafted Deshaun Watson, who knows if they, you know, they might've went on a deep, they probably would have went on a deeper run in that playoff in 2018. And who knows, we, we may not be uh, where we are right now, you know? Obviously, and who knows, maybe Matt Nagy was still not a good coach and maybe didn't know how to scheme his players, but possibly Deshaun Watson maybe would have, and who knows if Deshaun Watson even would have developed into what he is if he was drafted by the Bears. So there's a whole lot, but you know, my point is um, there's a lot of things that you got to evaluate with these guys. So, um, but it'll be interesting to see. And even like a Doug Peterson guy, um, and not again, not bear speaking, but like, yes, he's a Super Bowl winning coach. So if you're a team, you got to do your due diligence and interview him. But I just don't think he really is a good, um, you know, I don't think he's a guy to win another Super Bowl. I, I just don't really see him doing it. I think, I think that Philly team had a, just a lot of swag with themselves, not necessarily their coaching. Um, I think Nick Foles kind of like helped with that and. You know, they had some really good veteran guys there. So, again, I don't think um, like a Doug Peterson. But, again, he's a veteran NFL coach. He's won the Super Bowl. So, you got to do your due diligence. Um, But I think there's better candidates out there, you know. Agreed. And we'll continue to follow this as teams start to find the future of their new teams. But switching gears, we're done talking about the bad teams. We're ready to talk some good teams. We got playoff football this weekend. Castle, I'm going to start with you. Which matchup excites you the most? Or I'll let you choose. Or what team do you have on upset alert? Ooh, this is a good one. All right. Well, there is a matchup in particular that does excite me the most. So I do want to go, I do want to just say that one quickly. And that's the San Francisco Dallas one. I think that's going to be a great matchup. Uh, I not, not good coaching matchup wise. I hope Mike McCarthy gets exposed uh, in this game, but both teams are very talented. Both teams have explosive receivers, solid quarterbacks. They got guys that can step up on defense. I think it's going to be a great I don't think it's an evenly matched game, but I think these teams can definitely exchange some punches. So I'm excited for that. And a team that's on upset alert, that's kind of a tough one. I guess if I had to say, well, well, let me ask you this in in the uh, who who's, who's number two in the AFC is it, is it the Pats or is it the bills? Kansas city. Oh, Kansas city's too. So, so where are the, are, so are the Pats and the Bills four and five? Yeah. And Buffalo's home. See, that's because that, that's an interesting matchup too. Sorry to cut you off. But, no, no, no. But that game is projected to be in negative three degree weather. And it's been rumored all week that Josh Allen hates playing in the colds. Yes. Yeah, so I'm not sure if. See, it's tough for me to say if that's considered an upset alert because I look at the two teams and I think Buffalo is the better team, but Buffalo has just had its ups and downs this season, whereas the Patriots, I know you hate me to say this, but Patriots have been more consistent. So, yeah, I, I, don't, really, I don't really know if there's an upset alert. I mean, I guess either – the Patriots upsetting the Bills at home, or I guess because they they ended the season, they I 
I guess because they've had better consistency this season, I guess you could say, even though they've dealt with the injuries, I would like to think the Cardinals are the favorite in that game, but I think the Rams could beat them, but it's all up to Stafford. I mean, the dude, the dude starts throwing interceptions. It's all downhill. So I don't see any, I see most of these games as pretty even, I guess. And then the other upset too could be if, uh, if Vegas beats Cincinnati, I will be shocked about that. That that's your upset. Vegas upsetting Cincinnati. That's the biggest shocker of the weekend to me. See that that's interesting because you have two quarterbacks who have never been in the playoffs before. Derek Carr is making his first start, and Joe Burrow in his second year. You talked about this, and I can say, and it's definitely an upset. I don't know if it if it's going to happen. But I can definitely see San Fran beating Dallas. I want so, them to, and I think it's very, very likely it can. Happen. I think the way San Fran ended the year is how most teams wish they could have, with the exception of Cincinnati. I would say San Fran ended the year as one of the hottest teams in football, with the uncertainty of quarterback play, as you don't really know who's going to be starting, whether it's Jimmy G or Trey Lance they still managed to produce on both sides of the ball, running the ball, uh, receiver stepping up, Debo Samuel playing every position possible. Their defense, Nick Bosa, um, who else do they have? Fred Warner. They've got a bunch of guys who are really solid football players. And Dallas has had their ups and downs. And yes, they've been figuring, they figured out their stride lately. But as we know, to the Cowboys, they they really can't be counted on for good stretches of time. When the lights are the brightest, it seems like that's when they choke the most. Look at what happened on Thanksgiving against the Raiders. Every single nationally televised game they've lost this year. So... I don't know. I would definitely look to as at San Fran as my big upset of the week. And Stevie, Stevie, I don't like asking the same question. We're going to change it up. Give me a player to look out for this weekend. Any position, it could be on any side of the ball, a player to look out for. Hmm. 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 I mean, to be honest, like, if you want to stick with the 49ers Cowboys, I mean, Debo, what he did last week, I mean, that dude did everything. He had like a rushing touchdown, receiving touchdown, and passing touchdown, right? Didn't he have three touchdowns, like one of each? And you probably might want to be a little quieter when you say his name because he is the reason why Castle didn't win a championship that he's still upset about. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, you can't. No, you can't I- you can't deny what he did. Oh, I know. Um, Debo's not the reason why I lost. I just want to make fun of Castle. You know, so so Debo's really going to test that Cowboys secondary, especially Trayvon Diggs and then Trayvon Diggs allows a lot of yards. Yeah, he does. And then to be honest, I think the Raiders Bengals game is going to be between the two quarterbacks, and really, um, the two quarterbacks of whichever one has a better game, I think their team will win. So Joe Burrow, the past couple, you know, the last couple weeks of the season played out of his mind. I mean, that 500 yard passing over 500 yard passing game against was it Baltimore, you know, and then the game against the chiefs where they came back down like 21, seven early or whatever it was. Um, but then Derek Carr, you can't knock Derek Carr. I mean, he gives it his all, all the time. Um, and especially, He's been with uh, with the Raiders for a long time. They made that one playoff appearance, but he was got hurt, so he didn't start. So now this is his first start there. Um, and even another guy too is Hunter Renfro. He's been a huge part of their success. I mean, Darren Waller's been out, uh, and even last game didn't really do anything. And then they don't really have another guy, and Hunter Renfro has really provided that safe net for. Um, Derek Carr, so it's going to be interesting between the two, like between Jamar Renfro 
Joe Burrow and Derek Carr. Um, you know, if which you know which ones can attack the opposing defense more. So it's gonna be a very exciting weekend of wild card football. A lot of good games already off the bat. Um, not gonna. I mean, I'm not really looking forward to like Philly Tampa. Tampa's really undermanned. I don't enjoy watching Philly. Um, Patriots Bills. No, that's just going to be I, – I think it's going to be kind of like that first Bills-Patriots game where they're just going to – might be low I'm scoring. Run every single play. Is it supposed to be snowy in Buffalo or just cold? Cold, probably very windy. Yeah. So, it's going to be a probably low-scoring defensive game. Uh, Niners-Cowboys, that should be a shootout. Hopefully, it's a shootout. Steelers-Chiefs. You know, Big Ben was saying, uh, we got nothing to lose. Just just go out there and have fun. It's probably going to end up like how it was when they last played a few weeks ago, a blowout. Um, and then Cardinals-Rams. Kyler and, Car- and Arizona have not looked good at all this, like, really second half of the season. Um, but they got J.J. Watt back. Yeah. And listen. one of their big struggles has been the, their defensive play. Ever since Watt went out week seven or eight, they've allowed a lot of yards, a lot of points. But when J.J. Watt was there, they were that undefeated team that no one wanted to see in the playoffs. And now this is Kyler Murray's first game at home, I believe. No, it's at, it's at the Rams because they oh, won the division. Right. The Rams lost, but they still clinched. That's right. Yeah. yeah, they were losing in overtime to the 49ers when it came out they clinched because Arizona lost to uh, – who did they lose to? Uh, last week, whatever. Uh, uh, Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. yeah it, Arizona, and it's not entirely, you know, it's not their, I mean, it is their fault because they're losing, but uh, Kyler was hurt for, you know, the midseason, uh, kind of after, you know, he got hurt um, against what it was the Packers when they lost that first game of the year, um, or first, their, when they lost their first game of the season, which was in like week eight. And then, you know, DeAndre Hopkins was never really healthy. Um, and then he got shut down for like most of the second half. And then there are other guys like Rondell Moore and other guys got, you know, hurt. James Conner got hurt defensively, JJ Watt. So they did have a lot of injuries, but usually good teams bounce back from that or balance, you know, like Packers, they had guys that were out and yet they still kept winning. So if you're a good team, which I, you know, I wouldn't thought the Cardinals are, and they are a good team. They got to find a way to get over that. Um, and it's going to be interesting, too, with the Rams and Cardinals. It's going to be, you know, round three, and they split it in the regular season. So who's going to have, you know, more will? And um, and it seems like, you know, you want to favor the Rams, but who knows? Arizona can come out and surprise people. So it's going to be fun. And before we move on to some hoops, I do want to mention for the viewers listening, that he's going to be making his return to the football field this weekend in that for in that uh, LA Arizona game. Uh, David Canner, the our favorite agent, his one of his best clients, Eric Weddle's coming out of retirement and making a season debut on Monday Night Football. So Stevie, what are your thoughts about that? I I was completely shocked. I mean, you know, listen, we're pretty close with David Kanner, but we had no inside info, inside info on that. And I mean, when I saw like, when I saw it, I'm like, is this real? Like, what am I looking at? I mean, I just, there was no sort of like hints or anything with that. There, it just came out of the blue. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously he was a phenomenal safety back in this day. I just don't know if he still has it, especially for the playoffs. I mean, those guys have been playing all year. So they're, I mean, you know, even though they're beat up, they're also fresh. I mean, I'm sure he's been training and all that. He's not, he hasn't been sitting on the couch and be like, all right, I'm coming back. No, but he hasn't played football in a few years now. Right. So he hasn't taken ahead in two years. Exactly. Yeah. So, but Hey, listen, it's going to be extra depth, extra, you know, they're not asking him to be, their main guy to take over, but it's good veteran leadership. It's good depth in case of injuries. And the Rams are really trying to, you know, go make it far. And then they know the Packers are not going to be an easy run, especially in green Bay since the playoffs run through green Bay. So any little bit helps. 
Um, you know, that's why they got went out and got Stafford. That's why they signed Odell. That's why they're bringing Weddle back. So it was definitely crazy. A little like, hmm. But hey, listen, good for Weddle. Good luck to him. And uh, shout out for David Kanner for uh, them, you know, getting them back together. Yeah, I, I, I was shocked. I think it's so cool that they're bringing him back. I, I don't remember the last time I've seen a player basically return, come out of retirement for the playoffs. Yeah, like never mind. Brett Favre's come out of retirement, but he played the full season. But this is cool. I'm excited. It just adds more to the storylines for Monday night's game. The third matchup, and now you add in someone who hasn't played in two years and potentially going to be needing to play some big minutes because they signed him because they're weak in their, in their safety depth because Jordan Fuller got hurt and is out for the year. And I was Sorry, just going to say, it's uh, no, no, I was just going to say, I just wanted to jump on. It's uh, it's a really great thing. I, I've always liked Eric Weddle and, you know, scrolling through the internet and seeing the headline, uh, David can't, uh, Eric Weddle's agent, David Cantor, tweeted out return. You know, that's really cool to see, obviously, because he's been on the show a couple of times. But like you said, Josh, it's a great storyline. And, um, and he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring yet, right, Weddle? So oh, this is why it's because he's on a team that, you know, it's not like he signed with the Eagles or the, um, you know, some team in the AFC, like the Steelers. Like he signed with the Rams who – probably if i had to give he, you know, he was he he ended his career with the rams but he so wasn't there he wasn't there the super bowl no or was he he i think he was on that super bowl team but they, lost. they lost to tom brady so it'd be fun you know it'd be it'd be cool to see him um you know have a Back shot at it. so yeah well, hey let's see what the, you know what he can do maybe who knows maybe we'll have a pick six we'll say we're rooting for him. We're hoping for the best, and we're excited for that uh, playoff football this year because that's the best kind of football. Talking about storylines, Stevie. Let's talk John Morant. Let's talk about the Grizzlies. Oh my God, they're the they're the most exciting team in basketball, and I think John Morant's the most exciting player in basketball right now. And Castle, I think you were the one who sent it to us. Uh, it was an interesting uh, like question. Uh, who's better right now? The graphic of Doncic. And yeah, who's ja. better, Luca or Ja? And if before the season, you would say, okay, this is a no-brainer. Like Luca's going to be top three in MVP voting. He was last year, and he's really carried that uh, Mavericks team for the last couple of years. And yeah, I'm not denying any of that. But if you're watching what John ja Moran is doing in Memphis right now, I think you would have said hold on wait a minute you got to talk about this because i i personally am thinking otherwise i think john morant is ahead of luca right now in every category and maybe passing and ball handling you'd give to luca but john morant is very close so alex i'm gonna let you go first because you were the one who brought this to my attention yeah, I mean, and, and I was just sharing that graphic, you know, just, you know, just like as a why not thing. But yeah, I mean, you look at the season that Morant is having, it's incredible. The guy is hustling from the minute he steps on the court to the minute he steps off. He's doing these exciting plays defensively, the buzzer beaters. It's amazing. And you see the real contribution that he's making to his team. They they're still on the run, correct? They still haven't they haven't lost yet. They're still on this. What is it? Eleven games now. Eleven. Oh. Eleven games now. Eleven games, and he's such a fun guy to watch, and he's just a great spark for this Memphis team. And I think you that's how you have to really measure it is what is he doing stat wise for himself, and what's he bringing to the team? And to me. No, no brainer. It's John Morant. I mean, Dallas, I don't know the full story with them. Is Porzingis healthy? Porzingis yeah. has been in and out. He's healthy now, but he's missed a bunch of games with injury. Luca's also missed some time. I mean, right. so is John Morant. But 
John Moran is averaging 25 points, six, six rebounds, seven assists, but it's crazy. But Stevie, what makes this even more so unique is when John Morant was injured, Memphis started their run. They were winning games. They went on a, they went on a similar streak, but it was probably what, like five, six games when John was out. Then he comes back and then they lose. And John Morant hears booze in Memphis because when they, when he was out, they had, they were a much better defensive team. When he comes back in, the focus is offense is not as great on defense, but ever since he heard those boos, it's like another man on a mission. Do you think John Morant should be in the MVP conversation because of, of what he's doing in Memphis right now? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that dude is bowling out. He's winning games. He's making highlight plays. I mean, everything that an MVP player is, he is. And I mean, because it's one thing if he's putting up those stats, but they're not winning games or they're winning games, but he's not doing too much. And it's like, well, I guess they really don't need him. I mean, he's doing both. So he's playing a huge part in their success. And I mean, he's, he's a face of their city, that city right now. And I mean, I've seen him play live and that dude is a monster. And of course I was too short and I missed his sick dunk at March Madness. But did you guys see his block the other night? Yeah, that was insane. I mean, a two-handed block just completely caught the ball off the backboard. I mean, it unreal. So I do think he's in he should be in the MVP conversation. And it's crazy because the injury, I thought it was a pretty serious injury. And he missed a decent amount of time. And you know, when he came back, I was like, wow, that's kind of sooner than I expected. And, you know, knock on wood, it looked like, you know, no signs of stoppage, like he's full go and he's been going off and it's good to see, um, you know, and Memphis, they took, you know, took him number two. So they expected to get a guy like this and he's shown out for them. So, um, so I'm excited for him because he's really, he's a good player, but he seems like a really good person and good teammate. And um, he's just exciting to watch. And I would love to watch, you know, I, I'm glad that he's leading Memphis um, to all these wins. Cause I want to watch more Jai. Um, he's in, we don't, I don't watch too much of him unless if he's nationally televised. So I want to watch playoff basketball John and see, you know, really what he's got. And so far he's showing that he's legit. And if you give him some more talent, watch out, like the Grizzlies could be something special. And in that draft class that you mentioned, he went to, everyone was talking about, okay, whoever gets the first pick in the lottery, you win the draft, you get Zion Williamson, Zion this, Zion that. And John Moran was like an afterthought. He was like, okay, this is a good consolation prize. You get John Moran, this guy, John Moran, out of a small uh, small school, Murray State. But what is he is doing right now is just ridiculous. And Zion is yet to play a game this year, if he even steps, if he even will play this year. But another guy in that draft castle is number three. That's R.J. Barrett. And you're a Nick fan. I'm going to ask you this. But it pains me to say this as a Nick fan. But what R.J. Barrett has done the last few games has really caught my eye. And it really shouldn't be a surprise because we saw what he was capable of at Duke. And he's had flashes of potential here and there. But the last two games scoring 30 or more points. Uh, he's the youngest Nick player since, I think, Porzingis to do so. And he's only 21 years old right now, or 22. Do you see RJ Barrett as the guy of the Knicks or you think he's a, he'll be a good Robin. I think he can be that guy. I really do. I think that the talent is there, the determination he's showing that he cares to improve elements of his game. I mean, the fact that he can shoot from the three alone is huge, but he's a hustler. And I think he's really embraced the New York mentality. And I think Thibodeau is a great coach to pair with him. And now he's going to have his college college buddy, Cam Reddish, which I'm very excited about the two of them playing together. So yeah, I'm sold on, 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 um, on RJ being the guy. And 
we wasted we wasted our uh, assets with Randall because he ain't the number one. It, it's RJ. And the most impressive thing to me about RJ Barrett's game is not his scoring. And yes, that's great and all. He's close to scoring 20 points a game. And he'll, I think he'll consistently do that. But it's the fact that he's guarding every single team's best player night in and night out, picking them up full court, not even half court. He's guarding them full court, applying pressure for 35, 40 minutes a night is impressive. He, he locked up Jason Tatum when they met a few weeks, a few uh, days ago. He's guarding Kevin Durant. He's not, he's not going to shut down Kevin Durant. No one shuts down Kevin Durant. He's guarding DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine, whoever's on the court for the Bulls. He's guarding all of these best guys night in and night out. And yes, they might have some height on him, but he doesn't care. He, ta- he wants to take the challenge. He accepts it and he gives it his all every single night. And I think that definitely gives Nick fans some hope and what it should do, I don't know if it will, but it should allow Julius Randle to play more relaxed and let him play his game that we saw last year where he doesn't need to feel the pressure of being that number one guy. He could just relax and be the number two guy. Unfortunately, I don't think that's ever going to go away with Randle. I think he still hears the echoes of the MVP chants from the Garden last year, and I just think because of the caliber of the deal, he's not going to, but I agree. You know, R.J. Barrett going up against guys like Tatum and and all these other players that are top tier for these teams around the league, it only prepares him even more for taking over the reins in the future. And unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be fully successful until Randall is gone. Might be a bold take, but I think in some ways Randall could be holding him back. That's interesting. Randall, because Randall's very ball dominant. It seems like R.J. kind of could take over with the ball without we'll never truly know until Randall is if he if he leaves I mean he just signed a big extension so it's going to be a while anyway but Steve I know I have to mention it aside from last night your bulls they are they're something else and last night I don't we don't even need to we don't need to talk about it hey listen the bulls the bulls got destroyed by not destroyed but it happens you're Teams as hot as teams are, they they do have bad losses. But I love how there was so much criticism to the Bulls in the offseason about oh, DeMar Rose and Zach Levine, they won't work because they are the exact same player. People are criticizing Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they will they don't work in Boston because they're the same player. But what the Chicago Bulls are doing right now in a very stacked Eastern Conference right now is amazing. The Bulls being the number one seed right now, led by DeMar DeRozan, who, in my opinion, is top three in MVP right now. Zach Levine, who is also an all, should be an all-star starter. Lonzo Ball having a career year. Nikola Vucevic has shades of his magic days and shades of just pure garbageness. It's really like hit or miss with him some nights. But this Bulls team, they are fun to watch. There's there's hope in Chicago after dealing with the Bears for all fall, all fall and all winter. There's a lot of hope in the city of Chicago when you have the Chicago Bulls playing like the way they are right now. Well, they you know they got United Center rocking every night. Uh, you know every time. Did you hear that crowd last night? It felt like a playoff game seven with how dude, loud it was. Dude, it was packed. It was good to see finally a Bulls game packed. But you know, I mean, and then you got it. You got to give credit to Billy Donovan too, and. And this is, again, which I hope happens with the Bears. The Bulls, for a long time, Jerry Reinsdorf and, um, you know, what, what's the other guy? Um, oh, my God, I'm blanking. But their old, like, GM and kind of um, some ownership, it was just them. And they were just ruining the Bulls. And then finally they realized that this is the Chicago Bulls. So we can't be like this. And they finally made a change. And they hired Arturas or, you know, how you pronounce it, Konosovas, Mark Eversley hired Billy Donovan, and then they actually went out and got good guys. And, I mean, you know, Zach Levine was a great scorer, but we kind of lacked a big man. You know, Wendell Carter was young, but he, he didn't stay on the court. So you got Nikola Vucevic. And, you know, like he's been a little inconsistent this year. Maybe he's not putting up the numbers he is with Orlando, but he doesn't have to because with Orlando, he was like their main guy. 
who's like the only guy that could do anything there. Here, you have Zach Levine, and then you added DeMar DeRozan, and you added Lonzo Ball. He doesn't need to do that. Um, and, you know, Lonzo – and then Caruso, Lonzo Ball, their defense, just so good. And DeMar DeRozan is – he's a star in this league. And, I mean, people forget his uh, – Superstar. Not superstar. Just star. Yeah, superstar. he's a superstar. Um, and he's one of the most elite mid-range shooters of all time. And I mean, you think about it like a Kobe Bryant, he was elite mid-range. And now listen, I'm not saying DeMar DeRozan's Kobe Bryant because Kobe did so much, but to have a guy like that who can pretty much make all his mid-range shots, that's what you needed. You know, Zach Levine can only do so much. You know, Vucevic can only do so much. And then when you have a guy like Lonzo who just reads the floor so well and actually has guys that can score and move the ball around, just helps tremendously. And they are really, I'm, I'm you know, again, I'm not saying this because I'm biased, because uh, I'm a Bulls fan, but I think this team really can contend in the playoffs because I don't think a lot of teams are as deep as the Bulls. And then, you know, off the bench, you got Kobe White, who was a starter for most of last year who's a promising young player, you know, who could score, who could dish a little bit. He's more of a scorer than actually, you know, he's more of a, like a shooting guard than a true point guard. Um, but then you got Caruso who hasn't played in a while. He was doing really well. Um, you know, Ayo Tosunwu. Tosunwu he's um, one of my favorite players on the, on the Bulls. I love yeah. Ayo. When, when they got that pick, I mean, that was perfect. He's from Chicago. He was, he was up for like Smith player of the year last year. And teams just let him drop into the second round right into our laps so hey that's not that's that's very familiar oh yeah so i mean it's just like again i'm not trying to be biased but you know i think the bulls are dangerous the nets are dangerous to be honest i don't see milwaukee as that dangerous this year i I really don't listen they're still gonna be one of the top teams they're still gonna make it deep you know they'll probably be between the bulls the nets and the bucks probably the scariest teams but I think the Bucs are beatable. The Sixers, forget about it. They're, they kind of lost their chance. I mean, you know, Ben Simmons hasn't played at all. Now they want to package Tobias Harris with them. And Beat is really their only guy that's carrying them right now. Would you agree with that, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, you know, Miami. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't sleep on Miami. We've seen, no. what they, what, we've seen what they're capable of. They have the same team. You just add in guys like Kyle Lowry, who – has playoff experience. Tyler Hero's playing at an unreal level right now. And we thought we knew he was capable of it because he had a lot of potential coming out, but we didn't know how long he'd keep this up. But it seems like this is just what to expect from Tyler Hero night in and night out. He should be the sixth man of the year this year, possibly most improved as well. But there's a bunch of other guys you could have in that conversation. But that's another debate that we'll get to another time. But even Atlanta, Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, they just shipped off Cam Reddish to the Knicks. I saw they could be, they could be training more. And, you know, I mean, they just made the Eastern Conference finals last year. And they're also in uh, the talks for possibly Ben Simmons. So yeah, that that could easily shift how the East looks, but I think it's fair to say that the East this year, the power shifted. I'd say the Eastern conference in a very long time is the more dominant conference. The West has controlled it for so long, probably since LeBron's first Cleveland go around or Miami go around, but even still Lakers had Kobe Spurs had Duncan, Tony Parker, whereas it was really the Celtics and the Cavs for the last the early uh, 2010s, but you look at the East right now, you have the Nets, you have the Bulls, you have the Sixers, you have the Bucks, you have the Hawks, the Heat. Can't, you can't scrap the Knicks. Can't scrap the Knicks. I mean, they've fallen, but if RJ Barrett can keep this up, we'll add in the Knicks. But the West, there's only like two or three teams right now. The Lakers, who look god-awful right now, oh, are, they, they, in, are, are in the playoffs. If they were in the East right now, they wouldn't even be in the play-in tournament with what their record is. 
the East is very competitive right now. So I am very, I know we still got a long ways to go. We're only at the mid season point, but just getting me more and more excited for playoff basketball because of how competitive it is. And you have guys like Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson back playing basketball again. It's, oh, so, that, it's so good to see those two back. Yeah. It, it's so exciting. It's so, um, especially Clay after missing two and a half years. Oh yeah. And Clay's never been a, you know, I mean, again, you don't want to wish injury upon anyone, but like, a guy like Clay, you, you never you, you want to watch him on the court every single chance he has. So for him to be back, the Splash Bros to be back, is only uh, is you know great to see, but it's also scary for the league because the Warriors were the number one team, and then they just added Clay Thompson. Yeah, so that that's just scary. Well, boys, safe to say that that was a good first episode. It's good to be back. It is going to be bad. Absolutely. Another great season ahead. We got plenty coming up, coming up. We won't reveal too much now. You guys will have to stay tuned. Keep checking our Instagram at the three P podcast. TJ Hummel is doing a great job posting content daily. So make sure you check that out. And, sh- and shout out for TJ for, uh, you know, kids working a lot. So shout out to TJ yeah. for handling that and, you know, handling his workload. So. Shout the man of many hats never fails to amaze us. That's it. Seems like he adds more hats to his collection in every single show. Um, but we want to give another shout out to Wild Chat. Kevin from Wild Chat Sports is doing unreal. We're so thankful we'll be partnered. Uh, a couple weeks, I think a week or two ago, marked our one-year anniversary with them. So we're thrilled of the partnership we've had with them and what it's brought us. So thank you, Wild Chat Sports. And that'll wrap up this week's episode. Thank you all for tuning in and stay tuned for more shows to come.